everybody. Welcome to the LRGPA podcast. I'm your host, Alberto Rodriguez. My co-host, GPA, is taking the night off. Man, we got special guests on this show today, man. Larry Rapper from San Diego, man. Mr. Night Owl. What's up, Dougie? How are you? Hey, what's up, homie? How you doing? All right? Just chilling. Just, Just chilling, uh, relaxing right here, you know, getting ready to do this interview and, uh, you know, let people know certain things they might want to find out or, you know, any questions anybody has, I'm yeah, right here. Man. As, as you know already, man, you know, you've been on, you know, quite a few shows. They ask you, I, I feel like they always ask you the same questions over and over <clears> again. <throat> and uh, just know we, we ain't going to do that shit. You know, everybody knows where you came off from, where you're from, you know, stuff like that. We really want to get into, uh, like, what really got you into this, to, to the music industry, to the rap game, you know, your early memories of it. Your inspirations, right, like that, right. You know what I'm saying. So when, like, at what age did you start getting into music and saying to yourself, <clears> "Man, <throat> I, I could, I could really make something happen with this." Uh shit, man. I, I really never knew that I was gonna do something like this as far as professionally. You know, it was yeah. just something that I, I liked. You know, it. Uh, when I first heard rap. I remember uh, the first time I heard a rap, it was uh, Rapper's Delight. And the first time I heard it, I was in junior high. And at that time, I was going to Pacific Beach Junior High. And uh, we used to get bused out there. Um, and on the way back, uh, the bus driver on those, you know, the little things where they talk, like a little walkie-talkie thing, he had a boombox. And, and he put yeah. a boombox to that shit. And he was bumping rappers' delight, and we was all like, "What the fuck is that?" You know, it was, never heard rap before, and that yeah. shit was tight. We was like, "That's just cool," you know, it rhyming shit. It was kind of like talking, but it wasn't. So after that, man, I was like, "Man, this is dope," you know. And then I remember uh, a while after, I heard Blowfly with uh, Rap Dirty, Blowfly's rap, and that shit was the first uh, rap with like bad words and shit. And I thought that was fucking the shit, you know. And in a song, I'd never heard somebody, you know, saying, go fuck yourself and suck my dick and all <laughs> kinds of crazy shit. And we were kids, yeah. so, you know, that it was, it was, it was dope. It was funny. And, uh, you know, a little bit after that, I just started, you know, writing poems and, uh, trying to, trying to rhyme and shit and, uh, started doing my shit for the neighborhood. I was probably at that time, I was probably about, uh, maybe 13, 14, you know, and, uh, started doing, uh, neighborhood raps, you know, fucking it was whack as fuck back then, but we kept at it and I did neighborhood raps for quite a while. And, um, that's what it was about back then. You know, we just beat with other videos and talk shit to them through the roofs. And, uh, yeah. you know, little bit, I just kept doing it and one day, you know, somebody was like, hey, you should something with that shit is pretty dope and then I met uh, Vince up at uh, Norwalk Records and that's how it all started no shit that's how how long after that did you uh, decide to drop your first album um, after I met Vince from Norwalk probably within months within months did my first single uh, which was uh, a tribute to Mary Wells 
And on the other side, they had a song called You Can't Fuck With The Night Owl. And yeah. um, the reason why those those were not the first songs that I recorded. I had did a bunch of other stuff on a four track with uh, the first, first producer I ever had, uh, King Sandman. And that's uh, who did Brown to the Bone. Uh, he also did uh, a tribute to Marie Wells. He also did You Can't Fuck With Night Owl. Uh, and there's like about two albums that I did with him way back then that I lost the files to. And I think he still has them on Fortnite. There's a bunch of unreleased Night Out shit from back then that he probably has somewhere on four tracks. But uh, anyway, we started doing that shit. And um, I showed it to Vince up at Norwalk. And he told me, hey, you know what? Um, you got to meet Merrick Brumfield. You know, he's got a Chicano rap label. And um, he's always looking for talent. At that time, he only had Spanish Fly, which was the real Spanish fly as the rich rock not yeah. the Spanish fly now uh, as the rich rock was the main guy not to take away from them or nothing but it's just as the rich rock was the one and um, original yeah the original and uh, I met Murray and when I met Murray uh, he was a hey, check out this song I got this 18 with the bullet coming out and blah 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 say hey, that's pretty dope and uh, he's like, you know, check out your music. And, and he heard it and he liked it. And he's like, you know what, that shit is dope. Uh, we need to do something. And at that time, Mary Wells had just passed away. So he's like, you know what, a lot of Chicanos like Mary Wells. So let's do like a tribute to her. So yeah. I said, all right, cool. You know, I was young. I mean, I was like, okay, let's just kind of, you know, follow the rules and shit and go with what uh, the, the man says. You know, because I didn't really know much about the business. I was listening to him, and I did. I did that song. And on the other side, that song, by the way, bro. It, it was cool. It was cool. You know, me and Sandman came up with the idea, and we put uh, a lot of them uh, pieces of her music together in a song as a tribute to her. Because, I mean, who didn't grow up listening to Mary Wells back then? You know what I mean? Yep. Uh, yeah. Everybody loved her music, you know? And then the other side, I put a. Uh, you Can't Fuck With The Night Out of the single. Now, the reason I did a song called You Can't Fuck With The Night Out because at that time, there was another dude saying that he was Night Out uh, and Thump Records had put him out. He had a song, but he spelled his name N-I-T-E-O-W-L. Uh, like, basically, oh, yeah. everybody else. So when I came out and said, I'm Night Out, I spelled it different. Like, the night of all nights, you know? So I spelled yeah. it with a K, K and I H T. So I said, I'm, I'm the top knight here, motherfuckers, and I'm here to take over. So I did that song, You Can't Fuck With The Night Out. And that's why I put on on, on there, there's a, uh, a line that says, fuck that bato on thump. And that was towards that dude, because at that time I was banging, homie. And I was like, fuck this fool. He's not going to take my name. You know, I'll do his ass in if I have to, but I'm night out. That's basically how it was then. And, I mean, the dude never continued, I guess. He heard my shit, and he's like, nah, I don't want beef or whatever it was. Or he just didn't want to continue to do his music, and he just disappeared. And uh, I kept yeah. doing my music, you know, and uh, that, that was it. So the, the name Night Owl, it was, that was your neighborhood gang? Uh, your neighborhood yeah, gang yeah, that was my name from the hood. Music. 
Yes, sir. Okay. And for those that don't know, man, where where um, if, they, if, if people don't know where you're from, man, they must be living under a rock. But just let them know where you're from. What part of San Diego? What part of New York? Yeah, from. I'm I'm uh, I'm from a a place now known as Little Italy. You know, it's changed a lot. You know, uh, everybody knows that as Wap Town. Uh, for those that know what WAP Town stands for, the WOP stands for without papers. So back then, uh, our neighborhood consisted of nothing but Sicilians and Italians. And, you know, they, they migrated in, uh, in SV and they all came illegally just the way a lot of the Rafa does. And then, yeah. you know, after like in the, I would say fifties and sixties, a lot of Rafa moved in. Uh, the walk town and then they started mingling with uh, the Italians and that's how our neighborhood came about you know a lot of uh, mixture between Italians and Mexicans uh, a lot of hand half and shit a lot of Italianos a lot of Mexicanos and uh, that's our first click in a walk town uh, was uh, I believe it was called the Vikings and that's way way old school and those are like my old old ass homeboys and shit and uh, after that, uh, we came, you know, and uh, we were called the Crazies. And then after that, the, the newest click is the KBS, the Crazy Boys. And then, you know, downtown kind of moved in and uh, took over our neighborhood, basically. And everybody started moving to different places. So our neighborhood grew in numbers, but there's not a lot of uh, homies that live in the hood anymore because the hood is not the hood no more. Downtown is basically taken over and it, it, it's more like a scenic area now it's true it's different very different but i still Fucking love my high rises everywhere bro yeah, yeah. everywhere man <clears throat> but we do have some of the best restaurants a lot of great food out in my hood oh hell yeah man uh I, I don't remember whose interview it was but they're like oh man night out night out knows about food man he knows we're all the that's why i'm a fat right? ass homie shit <laughs> 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 hell yeah i know about food Hell oh, yeah, man! So let's get back to the to your first album, the Night Owl. Um, so those were your ter- your first two singles on that album. When did you start working with uh, um, Madman? Okay, um, as I was working with uh, Sandman, yeah, uh, I was working with him, and he was you know real busy doing a bunch of stuff. I wasn't the only artist he was working with, uh, but th- through that little episode of my life. Uh, I ran into Reggie, Reggie Valenzuela, Madman. And yeah, when I ran into him, everything changed, man. Like, we just took music to a different level for what it was at the time. Me and him really connected. And uh, we started working, man. And then uh, that's where we came up with the, the song, Here Comes the Night Owl. Then uh, Parte de la Routine. And a lot of those were my ideas, but then Reggie was bringing stuff to the table as well. And man, we combined really well. And I got nothing but love for Hell that yeah. man. You know what? Uh, if if I can change so many things uh, that that happened, which I won't get into. Uh, I would because I think that if me and Reggie would have stuck together and kept working. We would have had so many damn masterpieces between me and him together because we worked great together. And, you know, I miss that fool, man. You know, that was my boy. Um, I used to go over there 
every day and just if we didn't work on music we would just kick it you know and chill out drink a beer relax a little bit but uh i mean hey reggie up to him uh you know i know that there was things that uh were said but it was all through anger and uh through a lot of misunderstandings that were uh basically created through other people which i won't really get into and throw other people under the bus but they know who they are and they should be ashamed of themselves for doing what they did but you know as far as reggie's concerned that's my way man nothing but love for him yeah man we just had him on the show man um that guy is one talented ms and you know what i'm saying yeah he's um, badass very, very knowledgeable from when, when he talked to us um of course you met him first and he also mentioned that you brought around uh you brought the tribe and uh the one around right yeah yeah well i mean you know i was i was the one that was taking everybody there because i've never been a like selfish person i've always been like hey just do this shit and i've always tried to help others and i've always tried to bring them into the circle but you know not everybody thinks the same way that's the reason why people have fallouts because there's other people that either get jealous of you getting a better beat or they feel that you're getting more attention and you know shit happens man and in this music business there's a lot of jealousy uh, a lot of uh, envious individuals and it's just it is the way it is you know what i mean people are not as solid as you think they are until you really get to know them but i do gotta say this though that you know whatever mistakes i made uh you know, in, in the in the situation like with Reggie and all that, I, I regret because that was my boy and you know, I wish that I can turn things around. But you know, um I'm here and nothing but love for him, man. Straight up. Yeah, man. As you know, you know, when we're younger, man, we don't really think about things, we don't really process things, we just go straight off straight off the bat. So you know, whatever happened back then is you know back then and I'm pretty sure we, we've all grown up so right maybe one day you guys maybe one day you guys could work again yeah that'd be fucking dope um but yeah time, I mean it's, it's, it's all possible it's all possible I'm yeah. always uh I mean I myself I would be more than willing and uh like I said nothing but love hell yeah man shout out to Reggie by the way man very talented That's right. very cool guy too very yeah guy. Um, he's a badass so too I heard on uh Video games. I heard that boy is bad as fuck. Hey, that boy is bad on the on the drones because I fly drones and he be hitting me uh -huh. up and he tells me he goes flying and shit, man. This will find out the drones like fucking four miles away. I'm like, damn, man, I'm too scared you're gonna lose that thing because I don't even fly that far away. Nah, man, fuck it. But like I said, man, very fucking talented on drones, video games, <laughs> and um, music. You know what I'm saying? Right, and, right. Um, so with that first album, The Night Out, um, how did it take you to complete that whole album? The whole album, we probably did in eh, like three months. But what ended up happening is we did the album very quickly. It was it was fast. And then we ended up going to a place in Santa Monica where at the time everybody was recording there. Uh, and we went there and we recorded uh, the album right there. And that's where I met, uh, I remember I met Frost there at yeah. that place. I met the Booyah Tribe. Uh, they was all recording right there. 
And I was, uh, I met Frank V from Papa Dos at that same studio. Um, I remember when we first met, uh, me and Frost, they introduced him to me that day. I was recording Here Comes the Night Owl. And to be honest, uh, it didn't look like he really was too fond of me at the time because he had just put out La Raza. So he felt like he was the only one uh, as far as the Chicanos that was doing anything. Uh, but he, I mean, he represented our people, but not the way I did. I was, I was banging on me representing the hood. He was just trying to represent on a different level, like trying to be more worldwide type shit. I was like, man, fuck, I'm doing it for the neighborhood, you know, and that's, that's all I cared about. But when I, when I met him, uh, I remember he introduced himself to me and he's like, I'll never forget this, homie, because he's all, what's up, homie? This is Kid Frost, Big East LA. That's what he told me. Oh, God. And I'm like, <laughs> what's up, homie? Night out, Waptown Gang, Big San Diego. And he just looked at me and I looked at him like, what's up, motherfucker? You know what I mean? And <clears throat> nothing, nothing happened out of that. But he just looked at me like he didn't expect for me to come at him like that. He probably thought I was going to be like, oh, my God, you're Frost. You know, I'm like, homie, I'm fucking better than you. So I ain't tripping, you know. So that was my attitude. You know what I'm saying? But yeah. we, we didn't hit off too good. And then later on, we had a few other, uh, like, situations where we ran into each other. <clears throat> so we ended up uh, being cool, you know. Yeah, hell yeah, man. That's dope. There's that infamous picture, man. That circuit around the internet where it's you, little one, and Easy E, man. Right, what was right. The deal? What was the deal behind that picture? Well, that picture, don't trip out. Um, the way that that happened was one day, dog. I was just chilling, and I mean, I was a big fan of Easy Dog and everything, and all that shit. So, yeah. um, our our dream, as well as a whole bunch of people, was fucking to record with like Easy and NWA. I mean, that was like the the every everyone's dream. You know what I mean? So at that time, dog, I'm like, you know what, man? I was drinking one day, kind of getting buzzed, and I called Ruthless Records. And when I called them, uh, I remember that uh, it was a holiday. I don't remember what holiday it was, but it didn't answer. So the answering machine went on. So I left my name, my number, and I played a song that me and Little One had did called Putting Them All in the Panteon. And then I called back, and then I left a finger on the trigger. And... Um, I believe those were the two songs that I left right there. So I left my name and everything. And I said, you know what? They'll, they'll probably never call me and shit, you know, but I was kind of bugged. So I did it. So then about two weeks later, I said, you know, fuck it. Let me call, man. You know, see what the fuck's up. So I call and Jerry Heller answers and I recognize his voice. So I'm like, what up, Jerry? He's like, man, what's up? Who's this? I'm like, this is Night Owl. Then he's on Night Owl hollow point he's like what's up man so then he was telling me that him and easy had been listening to that shit we left and that they were loving it and he's like you know what i want to set up a meeting with you guys can you guys come up and i was like tripping dog i'm like hell yeah so i called little one told him hey we got a meeting that ruth is boy and he's like what so anyways 
we went out there, we met, and we chilled, and, you know, that's how it all started, man. And we was getting ready to sign to him, and contracts, everything was ready, dog. But uh, what ended up happening, uh, Easy got sick, you know, and that, you know, it, it didn't come about. But in the process, though, we was in the studio uh, with Mark Palladino at uh, The Edge in Inglewood. And uh, we was recording an album uh, for Easy, and we came up with an idea of a song called Pet Cemetery, which was going against uh, Snoop and Dre and the Dog Pound and all them, because that's what he was beefing with uh, Ru- uh, with uh, Death Row. So yeah, they were I'm the one that hard. came. Yeah, I, I'm the one that came up with the idea of the song called Pet Cemetery. So that's that was happening, and all that was progress. He's passed away and shit. So. You know, shit didn't happen, but... Do you still have you know, that song? Fuck, somewhere. I'd have to look for it, but... I don't even know where it's at. I know I have it. I had it on set. I had it on set. Yeah. What do you think it will... How do you... I asked Little One this question. I'm going to ask you this question. How do you think your career would have gone if you would have... Stay signed with EZE, dropped an album with Rufus. Think your career would have gone a different direction? Or you think you still would have had the same success as you had? No, no. I mean, obviously, we would have had a lot more success, a uh, way lot more. We would have been more mainstream, but I would have, I would have changed my style, nor what I do. The reason why I would have said more mainstream because we would have had a bigger fan base. Why a bigger fan base? Because Easy would have gave us that certification with the brothers, and they would have took us in more than what they do now. Like, if you listen to rap now, the brothers don't give up about what we do. And the only time they come out in our music is because they want to fuck our bitches or because they want our fan base. But they don't do music with us because they love us. It's very few that do. You know what I'm saying? Or they make fun of us. Or they make fun of us. Or or they make fun with stupid songs like Baco and fucking, uh, or whatever. They finally don't think of fucking stupid songs. You know what I mean? Some song, some dude, some dude named uh, Blueface, Blue something, I don't know. Made a Blue Faggot, something like that, I don't know. Yeah, something like that. He made a song, yeah. you know, and that, to me, that was like kind of disrespectful towards us Mexicans, you know? And, uh, yeah, it's, it's disrespectful. It's like, it, 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 look, it's like this. Like, they don't see it like that, but imagine us as uh, Rasa, we came out and dressed up like Farrakhan and fucking started talking about watermelon and fucking chitlinks and collard greens and they wouldn't like that you know what I'm saying so yeah. they, they see sometimes when we speak and we say something oh that's a racist motherfucker nah you're the racist motherfucker that has disrespected us so there's been times when people return fire and then they get personal and it's not about getting personal it's like open up your eyes and see where the root started you know what I'm saying and the re- I've been yeah. called racist I'm not fucking racist homes at all I mean, I, I'm the first uh, or one of the first uh, Mexicans that dealt with the brothers, you know. I recorded with a whole bunch of them, you know. Sugar Free, uh, Cocaine. Uh, Big Psych. Big Psych. That was my boy right there. Rest in peace. That was like a super good friend of mine. Daz Dillinger. Yeah. I mean, I've done stuff with so many, so many artists, bro. And it's never been a color thing. It's just like you, you dope or something. You know, but yeah, when it when it when it starts happening over and over, 
and you start seeing the disrespect that certain people do well it's obvious that you're gonna you're gonna side with your race and at that point you're gonna say shit about other people doesn't mean yes. you hate that whole race <laughs> but it's just it is what it is I got a lot of from certain things that I've said you know and I don't regret one thing that I've said because if I've said it towards certain people it's towards certain people it's not towards everyone it's it's I, I tell everybody we all we all have a little bit of racism in our bones it doesn't matter yeah. if you're cool with some people you still have racism in your bones let me give you an example bro just to, for motherfuckers to say I'm not racist yeah you are motherfucker but now I'm gonna tell you why I know you are and that goes to every single individual in the world okay if you're yeah. driving if you're driving bro and you're on the freeway and yeah. uh, Chinese dude cuts you out and he fuck us makes you wreck you're not gonna say hey dude what the fuck are you doing the first words that come out of your mouth is hey you fucking chink motherfucker because yeah. he's Chinese okay yeah if, if, it's a, if it's a black dude, you're going to say, hey, you fucking nigger, because he's black. If he's Mexican, yeah. you're going to say, hey, you fucking wetback, because he's Mexican. If he's white, you're going to say, hey, you fucking honky. So it doesn't matter what race they are or what race you are. At that moment, when you get angry, that shit comes out right there. And it doesn't mean because yep. you call somebody a honky that you hate white people. I mean, yeah. homie, my favorite pussy's pink, right? So why am I gonna hate white people, right? But yeah. I mean, yeah. it is. I'm just being a clown, bro. But I mean, it's like, why would you say that you're not? Everybody has that in them. It doesn't mean you hate a certain race or nothing. We're just human, bro. And humans are meant to function, not perfect. Because if not, we wouldn't yeah. be human. So it yeah. is what it is, like bro. Said, you know. Yeah, it is what it is, man. You know, um, but like we were talking, Easy E had nothing but love for all Mexicans. Oh yeah, yeah, no, he had nothing but love for the Rasta, and he he had a vision which uh, was going to get huge and humongous, and he knew it, and that's why he wanted to help out because he was about helping individuals that were from hood. He didn't care if you were white, black, brown. He was just a righteous dude, man cool cool person you know what i mean yeah um do you remember the last time you spoke with him the last oh, time that, not very much the last time that i spoke with him was uh i don't know in san diego if you remember a nightclub uh that was right by uh sports arena by rosecrans and uh they was there performing i think they were promoting bone and we pulled up and we was chopping it up with E and we was right there and then uh, he invited us to go to the radio station so we went out there uh, to Jamie night back in the day and uh, that was yeah. the last time we spoke in person on the phone we spoke quite a few times and uh, I, I don't recall the last phone call because we had a whole bunch of them but, but yeah he's a cool dude man yeah um how do you think the, how do you think this rap would have been if Easy was still alive? Man, homie, it would have been different. <laughs> a lot of this shit would have been happening right now with all this skinny jeans, weird ass fucking 
people that dress like faggots, you know, it's just crazy now. I don't know. I think it would have been, yeah, huh? you know, I think so. Yeah, would have been completely different, man. Totally different. He was like ahead of his time. Yeah, he was. Um, way ahead of his time. I had uh, one of my boys ask me, do you think that he, he, he was murdered? Uh, it's, it's hard to say, man, but I mean, months before he got sick, he was normal. So it's kind of weird that all of a sudden he has blown AIDS within, uh, within a matter of months and he was yeah. fucking all fucked up. That's weird. You know what I mean? It had money too, so he could have yeah. easily played. He could have easily paid for um, paid for all that type of stuff. But yeah, yeah. rest in peace, EVE man. And uh, um, sec- uh, you know, let's get you know, let's go into more into the show. Your second album, which was um, what's it called? Uh, hey, it's about one of these things. Before I forget, uh, uh, I want to say something about my first album. Something oh. that most people don't know. So I'm gonna what say up, it right man? here. Uh, my first album, bro, when when it came out, it came out and trip out on this shit. Okay. I had got a record deal with a label named Pandisk. I didn't know if you know who, who Pandisk is. No. Okay, Pandisk was the label that put out Debbie Deb. Remember Debbie Deb? Yeah, I remember Debbie Deb. Okay, Debbie Deb had Debbie Deb. They had a, a Stevie B. That yeah, look, look out weekend all, uh, and fucking uh, all the other shit that they used to sing. It was kind of, it was more uh, freestyle, I guess, you know? Yeah. So yeah. I got a record deal with Pandas. They were a label out of Miami that was owned by a guy named Bo Crane. Okay. So when they got a hold of my album, they said, oh shit, this motherfucker is dope. We want to put him out. So yeah. I, I get this deal, but then in the process of them having my album, okay, in the process of them having my album, they want me to change my style. They wanted me to do stuff like, uh, I don't know if you remember that one song, Mommy and Negative DJ Laz or something like that. Yeah. It, 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 it was hearing, way yeah. different. Okay. So they wanted me to do music like that. Uh, yeah. I'm like, nah, you fucking crazy. So they wanted me to change my style And I told them that I wasn't So then they didn't want to release My album all of a sudden Um, They did release A compilation That had me Aztec Tribe uh, uh, Latin MC Which was Rudy from the Aztec Tribe And I think Funky Aztecs And they had two of my songs on there One was uh, uh, Who's the Man And I think the other one was Brown to the Bone that was on that particular collation. So, anyways, my album was to come out through Pandisk, but they didn't know how to market it because their thing was freestyle music and they didn't know how to do gangster music. So, they wanted yeah. me to change my style and I told them they were fucking out of their mind. So, they didn't want to give me my masters back. So, oh. I had a cassette of all the songs that I had did at the studio by luck so i went in there and i made a glass master out of the cassette and made a cd master on it so that's how i released yeah. my shit off a of cassette bro because they wouldn't give me my two inch masters so i never got those uh bow crane kept those but Damn, i was bro. able to i was able to release my music 
uh, off of the set, bro, and then made fucking CDs like that. Damn, bro. Yeah, wow. that's crazy. Crazy so, shit. I remember when I had the interview with Shadow, he was working with, uh, you believe he's your uncle, right? Hitman? Yeah, yeah, my uncle. Yeah. Did you start, who, did you start working with him too first, or was it Shadow started working first with him? No, I, I started working, uh, uh, myself and my, my uncle used to chill me and he was learning the business, uh, as we went to different places, you know? And then, yeah, you know, uh, he, he, uh, seen Shadow was doing his thing. So, uh, he kind of took Shadow under his wing and then, uh, you know, they did their thing, you know, and they was doing yeah. it under Beyond Entertainment at the time. Did you ever release any albums through Beyond Entertainment? Uh, we did the best of Night Owl, the first, the first, uh, uh, version of it. Uh, I had a deal with, uh, uh, Robert Gillerman out of Southwest Wholesale from Houston. So we went out there and, uh, we took, uh, the best of Night Owl and I put that through there. I put, uh, the 619 Hoodlums through there. And the I remember that album. That was a hell of an album. It was cool. And then I put the Untouchables through there. So through those albums, I was getting like like ten G's a month uh, from Southwest Wholesale. They used to pay me good, bro. And things were going real well. And uh, so they went bankrupt through you know certain situations they had that uh, didn't turn out you know in their favor, but. I mean, they took care of me for years and years. So, how did you come up with the name "Sawed Off" for your record label? At the time, bro, I was like, you know what? I gotta create a record label that has a dope-ass name that's powerful. And at the time, the most uh, dopest labels was Ruthless Records and Death Row Records. So I was like, damn, it's gonna be something solid like that. So, you know, one day. I was just basically just rapping shit. I forgot what I said about sawed off shit, you know, and all of a sudden I was like, that's it. Sawed off records. And that's how it, it came about. And that, that was it. Hell yeah, man. That's unique name, bro. Unique name. Yeah. So for your second album was The Wicked West, I do believe, right? Yeah, The Wicked West. Yeah, yeah. yeah Wicked West. Give us a little bit of uh, back, uh, background on that album. The Wicked West, the way that came about was uh, I went to deal with this producer up in L.A. And uh, I asked him for some help. I said, yeah, I need some beats. Uh, at the time, I had stopped working with Reggie. Uh, and I was like, man, I got I to gotta do something, you know. But I wanted to keep my same style. So I, went, I wanted to find a producer that can, that can do that, you know. And... Uh, I hadn't met uh, Steve Vicious yet at the time, um, so I didn't I didn't know him. And then Sandman, he was nowhere to be found. I didn't know where he was at. I think he was touring somewhere. So I'm like, damn. So <clears throat> I go to this producer, and I didn't have no money, dog. So he's like, you know what? Uh, I can't help you. The first thing he said was, what kind of budget you got? I said, I ain't got no shit. <laughs> I, I just need to yeah. tell me what's up. And uh, he didn't want to help me, basically. So he goes, I got somebody that might help you out. So he turned me on to this other producer. I went and I met with him, and it turned out to be Chris Gunn. So that album at the time, 
I didn't have no money, but Chris said, you know what? Let's work. Let's just work. So we created the album and I mean, nights and nights and nights, nonstop at the studio of hard work. Bro. I used to go there on a Friday and leave Monday and just record, sleep there in the studio, record and write and make music. And, you know, we hit it off real good, man. And that's how uh, the Wicked West came about. But while we was working on the Wicked West, we uh, went to Frisco or to the, the Bay Area, Oakland or somewhere out that way. And we met yeah. with Greenside Records and we got a song on this compilation called uh, Definitions of Brown or something like that. So we got a first uh, deal that was going through BMG. And right after that, um, you know, we, we ended up, uh, you know, getting a BMG record deal with our own album and, uh, the Wicked West came out and it did yeah. real good. Yeah. Hell, when did you start, um, when did you start working with, uh, I mean, not working, but with Royal T from Low Profile Records? Shout out to Royal T, by the way. Shout out to Royal T. Uh, later on, uh, probably, uh, maybe a little bit after my Nightmares album, maybe, or right around the Nightmares album, right around there. Then I, you know, he was doing his stuff. You know, he was doing his, his, uh, music and stuff like that. And then he was doing compilations. So I ended up giving him a few songs for some compilations and stuff like that. So we started doing business together. And, you know, he did his thing with low profile and I did mine with sawed off. And we always yeah. kept a, pretty cool relationship I guess when it came to business you know we we yeah. worked together quite a bit yeah because uh, um you guys had a pretty long feud huh it was going we're not gonna go we're gonna talk about it but you guys were it was a while where you guys didn't talk for a long time yeah there was a while where we didn't talk yeah, uh, yeah the, um, I was I, like I, I heard another I heard an interview with him and where he said that you saved them a lot of money you helped them out financially as well, and um, yeah, yeah. I mean, of, you know, he gave you a lot. I, of uh, look, Holmes. It's, it's bottom bottom line is this: when when he was in a situation, homie, you know that I was also in one. I didn't have no kids, homie, and he did. So I chose to help him, dog, because he had a family. You know, I could have helped yeah. myself, and I wouldn't have been in that situation, but. He had a family, bro, with kids, and that's what I thought about, homie. So I told to help him, but it put me in a bind as well because what I had saved for me to what I had to do, I, I chose to help him, and he knows that. So, you know, he he always showed me a lot of love for that, and he was basically like, man, you know, this is my boy. You know, he looked out for me when I needed it, and you know, it is what it is, homie. You know, I've done things for him and. He's helped me out and, you know, we put all our bad shit behind because it was never really that it was bad. It was just, you know, when you feud on me and you're going at it and you're doing music, sometimes yeah. you just let the emotions get the best of you and you say yeah. shit you don't mean. But, you know, it is what it is because it's going to sell record stock. You know, you're like, fuck it. Fuck this motherfucker, you know, and you're going to talk shit. <laughs> but yeah. then as you get older you realize that that shit wasn't really worth it. Like, you know, 
I'm not gonna say that song wasn't good. It was a good song. I killed him on it. But that oh, doesn't yeah. mean that doesn't mean I'm proud of it. Because that, you know, like he's my boy. He's my he, he's my friend. You know? So yeah. you know, when when I go back and I hear that shit, I'm like, man, I don't know. I don't wanna hear it sometimes. I just turn that shit off, man, because I don't feel that way. You know what I'm saying? That's not how I yeah. feel about him as a person, you know? And it's fucking fucked up that sometimes we do things when you're younger without thinking you let the hothead get the best of you. Like, nowadays, I wouldn't do no shit like that, you know what I mean? Because you think more, you know, the consequences. And you yeah. have to fucking make sure that what you say is what you say, you know? Because yeah. you can't take it back. Not at all. Not at all, man. Very, yeah. very smart. Very, very, very smart businessman. And uh, I remember there were a few weeks ago we were talking and we were discussing, you know, owning your masters and what. So there's not a lot of rappers out there that actually <clears> own <throat> their masters. But yeah, know, very, like very few. Stuff. Very few people own their masters. Uh, a lot of people now talk about, you know, owning their masters, but. Honestly, it wasn't until I opened up the eyes of a lot of people. Uh, because, you know, when, when you first start, you're thinking of uh, everybody wants to get that big deal. So everybody sells their music no matter what. Oh, give me something here. It's yours. But for some reason, I always believed in I need to fucking own my own shit. I need to make sure that it's mine. Because later on, I always thought, like, you never know what might happen but if i own my shit i'll be good and that's yeah. basically how it turned out to be you know now that there's this uh digital era if i didn't own any of my shit i wouldn't be able to survive bro but due to the fact that i own every single composition i've ever done and every album i've done and created i get paid all my royalties digitally my yeah. sound exchange, my publishing, I mean, you name it, you know, and it's mine. And I do very well, you know what I'm saying? So it's just because I use my brain and I was able to think. But, you know, a lot of people didn't do the same. But, you know, others had different needs than me, you know? Yeah. Kids and shit like that, you know what I mean? Because nowadays... Do you, you, nowadays, you don't even need like a record label. Just fucking upload your shit to YouTube, SoundCloud, and other, other BS, and boom. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you, you can do that, you know, but a label is needed to do the extra things that you need done, like promotion and uh, placement with your music. And I mean, it's still needed, but not as as needed as before. It's not required if you're dope as fuck and you got some skills in business. But most of these people these days, they can rap, but they know nothing about the business. So when they just start like doing their own business, they usually they don't know fail. Where exactly. Yeah, exactly. What's that? Um, I remember you used to mention another producer, but I forgot. I don't. CG. What's it? Uh, oh yes, well, see, CG. That's. That's Chris Gunn. That's the one where I oh. went and started doing uh, uh, the Wicked West. 
Oh, okay. that was that was Chris that, Gunn. Do you still talk to him? Have you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. I still talk to him. I I talked to him yesterday. As a matter of fact. Oh shit! No shit, because you got a lot of you got a lot of heat coming out. As we you know we talk we talk a lot, so you got some good heat. Yeah. But um, what I was gonna say, man, when did you uh decide to drop your first Spanish album? The first Spanish album. That was El Gran Pelon. El Gran Pelon. Okay, I'll, I'll tell you how that happened. Like, I have always, always have done uh, Spanglish. <clears throat> Never did a full Spanish album. It was just, you know, I would put Spanish in my music. But I had never yeah. did a whole album in Spanish. Now, one day, <clears throat> I was chilling uh, with Bill Walker from Thump Records. Yeah, and he t and he tells me, he said, "Hey, Night Owl, when are you gonna do a Spanish album?" So me right away, I think, and I'm always a step ahead. So I'm like, I already got one, bro. What are you talking about? So I didn't have yeah. one. So I told him I did. So he goes, "You got one?" I go, "Yeah. Why? What's up?" He goes, "Well, I want a Spanish album from Night Owl." He goes, "What's up? What can we do?" And I said, well, I got one. All I got to do is mix it. I go, but it's done already. And he had a recording studio. So he's all, okay, well, you know, you need my studio to mix it down. I go, yeah. But I go, what are we going to do? What are we talking about? He goes, what do you want? I told him, well, I said, I'll give you the album. I go, give me 50 G's and give me your Benz. I want a new, a new car. So he goes, that's a lot and this and that. So I'm like, well, if you want the album, I go, I want a brand new Benz. So he's talking about it was too much money and this and that. So then I worked it out with him where I said, look, basically the money that you're going to be making off my album, you can be paying my Benz with that. So I structured my own contract and I told him, uh, give me uh, some upfront money, put a down payment on Benz. And then you guys make the monthly payments on it until it's paid off. Yeah. So anyways, I structured a, a contract which sounded good to him. And he said, all right, sounds good. So we did it. You know, he tells me, okay, next Friday, you got to have the album, turn it in. I said, all right. I didn't even have an album done or nothing, dog. So uh, I talked to Tony G and I told Tony, I said, hey, dog. I said, let's get to work. Let's work on, a, on an album. And he's like, well, okay, we can start next week. I go, no, no, I, I want to start like today. He goes, today? I go, man, I want to get a brand new Benz from Bill. Um, I need to start now and have the album done by Friday. And he's like, what? <laughs> he goes, we better get to work. So we went into the studio every fucking day, dog, for five days. And in five days, we made all the beats. We fucking, uh, I wrote all the lyrics. We mixed, mastered it, and recorded it, and gave it to Bill in one week. No, oh, well, not even a week, five days. In five days. Ah, oh, so you were just in and out, boom, 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 dropping tracks, dropping tracks, dropping tracks. Yeah. He, yeah, yeah Tony, um, Tony would be, he would be making the track, and as he was making the track, I was writing lyrics. He'd be like, hey, I'm done. I said, so am I. He's okay, this recorded, bam. And we recorded right there. And then next one, ready? Yep, any, let's do it. Same shit. Any favorite tracks on that album? Uh, 
don't even know if you remember something. You got so many yeah, 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 yeah. I do, I do. I, I think probably my favorite track would be No Te Metas. Oh, yeah. That was a good one, man. I like that one. I also like the one I got with Little Demon. Yeah. That the one that Calipas, Yeah. Yeah, that one. And then I used to like, uh, 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 I think there's one called Quiero Decirte. Yes. Or, uh, or, or something like that. The one, uh, uh, that one. Okay, let's talk. Quiero estar contigo. Yeah. There you go. That was a, that was a hit right there, bro. That was some good. Yeah, hit. I, I like that one. Yeah. So, like the concept to write in Spanish, was it actually pretty easy for you or did you find it kind of challenging at times? Nah, that nah, was really easy, dog. I just fucking yeah. hear a beat and just start talking fucking insanity. That's it. Yeah, because you came in, you came in on that album because I think you believe your album before that was a, a ghetto bird, right? Or like I think album. so, yeah. But the, yeah, ghetto bird. That was another fucking great album too, man. Yeah, ghetto bird. Great album, dope. bro. You had uh, I do believe you had features from uh, you had cocaine on there, Dad Dillinger, I do believe. Yeah, um, yeah. Jail felony. Brenton Wood. Yeah, Brent Wood. That's where you had to leave that my mom, correct? Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was. What was the background on that song, bro? That was a dude. That's like I, I must say one of my favorite tracks on that album, bro. The the background that of that song was uh, Rafi Pagan. Yep. And that's I did that oh, song. Yeah. That song I produced it myself, me and this beat uh, studio. Yeah. Uh, right there in Esco, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. Shout out to P, man. So that was a that that was a one of my favorite cuts on that album too. You also did yeah. a remix to um, "In Love with the Gangster," correct? Yeah, I did a remix. Yeah, that came out on that album. Yeah. Yeah. Give us a hey. Speaking of that song, uh, "In Love with the Gangster," give us a little bit of the background on that song. People, you know what what inspired you to write it. You know, <clears throat> the the reason that song came about at that time, um, I did it for a girl that I was with at the time, and uh, yeah. it was it was all about her, and you know her parents, you know they obviously didn't feel too fond of me, and you know I I was like, hey, this is what it is, you know, so it was just yeah. kind of like some. Uh, some personal shit, you know what I mean? And it turned out to be uh, probably my biggest song ever, you know, I would think. I, yeah, that's, did you think you were going to have, like, that commercially success with it? Like, that's one of your most, most, most popular songs, bro. Um, you know, what was a trip, trip out on this, what happened with that song, bro, that it was a personal favorite at the time because, what it meant to me, right? And yeah. at that time, Focus Better Locals was coming out. <clears throat> and when they found me, they wanted to interview me. It was me, Shadow, and Little One, the people they wanted to interview yeah. first. And uh, what's funny is they're a label based uh, or a radio station out of LA. But it's so funny that the people they wanted to interview first, the first that they wanted to interview was all six one nine. Me, Shadow, yeah. Little One and Little Rob. Yeah. So 
Um, that should tell you oh, yeah. who the fucking kings of Chicano rap are. Not to I'm say nothing, out, bro. not to throw it out there, but to throw it out there. And um, anyways, when we uh, was out there, Kool-Aid asked me what songs I wanted to play. They were going to pick one, which was Here Comes the Night Owl. And the other one, they told me to pick it. <clears throat> so I told them, okay, I said this one. And they said, but it's a slow song. I said, yeah, I know. And they, they, they didn't really want to do that one. They were like, we don't know. It's a slow song and you're not known for that. And I said, just play it. That's what my song. So they did. They played it. And actually, I still have the recordings. When that station started, I got song of the year two years in a row with In Love With A Gangster. And um, that was the song of the year on the station, you know. And I mean, that was to me quite an accomplishment because, I mean, they did, they just didn't play my song. They played a lot of people's music, man, you know. And to yeah. get back to back song of the year with that song, to me, it meant a lot. You know what I mean? It, it was yeah. quite an accomplishment. And uh, it was cool. It was cool, man. You know, and after that, they were like glad that they listened and that they played that song. Yeah, I I heard somewhere, you know, I heard a uh, Roll T give an interview where he was talking about Kool Aid and uh, uh-huh. that they they did a lot of wrong shit, like you know, fucked up a lot of things. Is that did you have a pretty good relationship with uh, um, Kool Aid and Bocos I mean. And I had a, a cool relationship with Kool-Aid and E-Dub. I mean, maybe Royalty didn't because they never played his shit on there. I I don't know what the reason was. You know what I mean? They never played yeah. any of his stuff on the radio uh, on, on Pocos Pero Locos. So there had to be something there between them. I have no idea. And, you know, I remember Royal saying about that they've the Focus Pero Locos and that he started uh, that section and this and that. I mean, he can say that. And I mean, honestly, you know, I, I don't like to argue with him and throw things out there. But, you know, like, I you know he had competition, which was Murray and this and that. But to, to be honest, there was never a Chicano rap section until Murray created it. That's the reality. Murray created it with all the stuff that he had, <clears throat> the Southside Writers, uh, my album, uh, S.A. Rich Rock, Norwalk's Most Wanted. And I mean, you can go on and on and name all these uh, uh, people. And when Royalty came out with Sancho and with all the other rappers, this was way after. We had already created a Chicano rap section, and I got pictures of that to prove it. So, I mean, that was already done. And then after that, you know, they fell into the category as well. Uh, they were naming it Chicano rap and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, you would find like Frost, you wouldn't find him in the Chicano rap section. You would find him in just regular section. But it wasn't, I think, till really I came around that Chicano rap really kind of became Chicano rap because 
I was all about the Chicanos, you know, doing the neighborhood shit, uh, lowriders and fucking gang banging. And, you know, that was me, you know, and nobody else was really doing that. But, you know, I mean, I'm, I don't want to sit here and take credit for everything because there was other people doing things too, but I know I had a lot to do with it, you know? So like when they start trying to name like people in LA that, you know, they started this and started that. Nah, Frost might've came out first overall as far as, uh, professionally, but I was rapping just as long as he was or before he was, but I was doing it straight for Barrio. I wasn't doing no hip hop bullshit. I was doing it for the hood. You know what I mean? I was fucking yeah. set tripping, gang banging, doing music for the hood. They weren't doing music for the hood. They was fucking trying to rap like Farsight and fucking hip hop Scooby Doo Weebop bullshit. Fuck all that. I was straight fucking, I'm gonna put a cap in your ass, bitch. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was banging, homie. So You're more that, raw, that's bro, why really. I know that our shit was more real. You know what I mean? Yeah. Did you have a hard time? Because um, you, you were banging hard, bro. Was it hard for you for like get your music into other neighborhoods in San Diego? <clears throat> Honestly, it wasn't, dog. Because, see, this was my model. When Easy was doing it, he came out. And he was like fucking banging Compton all over the place. And people yeah. liked it. People fucking played it everywhere. So I'm like, if yeah. he can do it, and he's talking about his hood, because he's putting out good music, why can't I do it? You know, so I came out, and not only did I fucking mention San Diego, I mentioned Wattown, my hood. You know, fucking people in Japan would fucking come from Japan just to say, Oh, I want oh don't what don't <laughs> you know motherfuckers want to come and, and and see the hood you know and just like see what it was about and shit and I I made the hood famous bro you know yeah so in that, that song shot caller that song uh, in that shot caller I do believe right right yeah shot, no ball headed kingpin ball headed kingpin where you guys you and Shadow did a song for your neighborhood you oh yeah yeah me and Shadow yeah yeah how did uh how did you meet Shadow though. You was little, huh? Yeah, Shadow. Shadow was like shit, man. Maybe like fucking five years old, four years old, and oh, he, he used to like he lived like maybe one, two, like two blocks from where I lived at. So every yeah. time that I would pass by his house, I had to pass by his path to go to the hood. Well, you know, like where we all hung out at. So he would always see people walk by his path and he wanted to just hang out with the homies and shit so <clears throat> when when uh his mom would go to sleep at night shadow would sneak out the house and he'd fucking end up right there on the block where we would all kick it at little seven-year-old kid eight-year-old kid chilling with a bunch of fucking gangsters and we'd be like homie fuck, you need to go home fool and fucking uh his mom would come and find him right there Grab him by the yeah. ear and pull his fucking ear and take him home. And fucking <laughs> next day he'd be out there again, you know. So it was like he was not going to leave the neighborhood. He that was that was him right there. So after a while, you know, his his mom realized like you know, he's in good hands. I, I remember I told her one day I said, "Hey, 
I'll take care of him. You know, he's he's okay. And I, I never myself, I never let Shadow smoke, never gave him beer. Well, not till he was like 13. Fucking, I remember I, I made him drive and shit. <laughs> I mean, oh, yeah, I mean, I mean, Shadow drive my car all fucking drunk <laughs> and fucking fucking cra- crashed it, fucking wrecked yeah, my car. You said you, wo- you woke up right, your car was all fucking wrecked and shit. Yeah, it was all fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> but damn, man! But now both of you guys are going to start working together again, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, we 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 own a record label right now. Me and him. You want to tell us a little bit? You want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah, it's called Casa de Locos. And right now there's a big market for music in Mexico. So we decided to create a label and to bring uh, all the talent that we can in one label and everybody just make money. Basically, you know, we're not the label that's trying to own the other artists, the artists that we're bringing in. They're all going to make their own money and we're going to help, you know, a lot of individuals and not just from Mexico, but from other uh, areas we have right now. We got a, an artist, Pape Juan Calavera. Uh, he's out of Chile. He's dope. Yeah. We got uh, uh, Oveja Negra out of Colombia. We got King Oliver out of Guatemala. Then we got a local gallo in Mexico, Mayelo in Mexico. Then right here uh, from uh, California, we got myself, uh, Mr. Shadow, Little One, Duente, Anthem Menace de Hormiga. Uh, we got Don Tecate out of Mexico as well. Uh, man, uh, I'm not sure if I forgot anybody. Oh, uh, my primo, my primo, uh, the Calacas click, Fu and Binko. Uh, who else? Who else we got? Uh, man, there's quite a few other artists. It's just if I forgot somebody right now, these bands, that, you know. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot, yeah, a lot man. of them. Hell yeah, man! What is what? What inspired you guys to start? Um, you know, your own label. That you want shadow. Well, because together, you know, we're, we're homies and shit. And, you know, if we put our forces together with the people we know and with the ability that we have uh, to create what we can by helping a lot of other individuals, then we're going to do so. You know, we're not getting any younger. And I don't want to be remembered as somebody that didn't do a lot for his people. So I'm trying to do as much as I can. And uh, Shadow's doing the same thing. And, you know, we, we got a powerhouse right now. We got a hell of a fucking label right now. Hell yeah, man. Much, yeah. much love to my boy Chops, too. The producer, that's uh, our main producer right now for the label. Yeah. Hell yeah, yeah. man. That's dope. That, that is fucking dope, man. I had a, uh, got a couple questions that, you know, a couple people send in. And uh, okay, one of them was, "What is uh, uh, what is the biggest lesson you learned from the music industry, man?" The biggest lesson I learned from the music industry. Yeah. Okay. 
<clears throat> it's it's quite a few lessons. You can sum it up with just one answer. Now, the reason why that one answer connects to a whole bunch of things, you know what I mean? So I'll, yeah. I'll just explain a little bit <clears throat> of what I mean. Break it down, man. Uh, I, I think I think that what I learned was that if you're dope and if you keep it real and if you keep it true, then you should be successful. Don't sell out to make it because if you sell out to make it, you will be fly by night. And there's a lot of those that try to uh, fit in with what's hot at the moment and when you try to be like in because that's what's in you will be for the time being but all of a sudden you will not be remembered you know and to create longevity in your career you have to stay focused you have to keep it true to your fans and never forget where you come from and who you are always keep it real the day you start thinking you're better than others very quickly you can fall down because we're no one with our fans bro the fans make us you know what i mean yeah. so you have to make sure that you stay loyal to your fans and true to yourself and make sure that if you're dope you don't give up man keep keep going a lot of times you will get into situations that make you want to quit but you can't you can't stop and I say that to artists that are struggling right now, but only if you have talent. There's a lot of fucking idiots that should not be fucking rapping. They either sound like fucking Mickey Mouse or they sound really fucking terrible. And they think that they can rap just because a lot of people are doing it now. So they're like, oh, I'll rap too. And what they do by making music is just embarrassing you know they embarrass themselves you know there's a yep. lot of whack-ass people out there if you can't rap don't rap stop you know it's not for everybody if you love the music business and you can't rap but you like rap music maybe you can be a producer if you can be a producer because you can't produce then you can be a promoter there's always a place for you in the music business if what you like is music. But stick to what you can do. Not just because yeah. you like rap, that means, oh, I'm going to rap. I mean, it's not for everyone. You know what I'm saying? So <clears throat> I think that's important, you know, to, to know your place. And if you know your place, you're going to be all right. Hell yeah, know your place. Don't forget where you came from, man. There you go. To all the people out there listening, man, take notes. You know what I'm saying? Yes, take sir. Notes. That's what it's about. And always make sure, like you said, man, always make sure, man, you know what you're going to sign. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There, exactly. I remember the first day I met you, dog. You you still remember that? <laughs> uh, damn, I met you. Uh, we had a couple runnings, bro. We yeah, we, you remember the first time, though? At, when I met you outside the MPN, you know? Exactly. Exactly. That yeah, was it. I just, yeah. And then uh, after that, I I went up to your pad up. Was it up north? No. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. We, yeah. we got faded up there. 
yeah. up in Paris when I was staying out there. Yeah, in Paris we had that white bin, so. Right, I right. That shit. I remember <laughs> that shit, dog. That shit. And we went out to um, we went out to that uh, pizza place out there, Netco. Right, right. I forgot. Right I there forgot at uh, was it Mike's? Uh, that little place right there by uh, in North Parkway. Yeah, right there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that was, I don't know if it's there no more, dog. No, it's not, homie. That homie right there, uh, he got real ill with diabetes, almost lost his eyesight. He had to close the place down. But he was a real cool cat, man. Yeah, hell yeah. Man, what about it? So now, you know, you know about what are a lot of good places out there next to to go out and eat, bro. It depends, what, it depends what kind of food you're looking for. Italian food, doggy. Oh shit! If you like Italian food, definitely you gotta go to my neighborhood, dog. Shit, yeah. you'll find a bunch of stuff there. Yeah. Hell yeah, man! It's all this spots right now. But hey, man, how did? Let me ask you this: You know, how the hell does this COVID shit affected you? Uh, quite a bit, homie. I mean, it it affected me a lot because I mean, put it to you this way: there was an episode. Uh, where I thought I was with my mom's, she she caught it. Yeah. She got real sick, but she she pulled through. And then my tío, same thing. He pulled through. He he got real sick. Uh, and Shout unfortunately, hit, yeah yeah, much love to hit man. And unfortunately, uh, at the beginning of the year, my grandma she caught it and she passed away. She was able to pull through from it, man. So it, it's affected me quite a bit because I've lost uh, friends. I've lost someone who meant so much to me, my grandma. Yeah. And it's it's been hard, homie. Yeah, this fucking COVID shit, man. It's fucking ridiculous. Like in Texas, they all that shit. I, they're still COVID, but all those that social distancing, the masking up bullshit, it's done, bro. Like, they don't have to do none of that shit no more. I think that's become a point, bro, where you just gotta keep living without being in fear of that shit. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I mean, you, to, a, to a degree, but then again, it's like, you know, they say, if you keep putting your hand over fire, you're gonna get burnt sooner burnt. or later. So, yeah. I, ain't try, I ain't trying to get burned on me, you know what I mean? Not with this yeah. shit. I mean, we're all gonna die one day, homie. But man, from yeah. that shit, fuck that, homie. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> it's a fucked up. Yeah, man. Hell. Hey, homie, it's a fucked up death, homie. You die by yourself, yeah. no one around you. You fucking gasp yeah. for air, and you know it's fucking bullshit, homie. You know? Yeah. So. Have you gotten the COVID test? Have you had to do the fucking the COVID test where they put that fucking Q-tip all the way up your nose? No, never did. It. Yeah, yeah, man. There's some people out there, man. Say like it's like, it's like taking a nice liniazo, dog. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I never, I never took it, but I mean, I always, I always wonder, man, have I ever caught that shit or not? You know, because some people get real sick, some don't. You know what I mean? Nah, the worst thing is we heard that you're, uh, you lose your sense of smell and taste, huh? Well, my fat ass ain't lost that, so. <laughs> Shit. But yeah, man, hell yeah, bro. It was long overdue, bro, to have you on the show, doggy. Right. Me and you've been talking for a minute, bro, trying to get you up in here and get everything done right. You know what I'm saying? Right, we had, right. Uh, 
we just had little one on the show last uh, this week's episode was little one on there right. so, yeah that dude hollow point i was gonna ask you about you and little one hollow point how did that come about uh, we just i don't know one day we were just chilling and we we're fucking uh talking hey let's let's do a group thing and yeah. we did and i don't even remember how we came up with hollow point i think he did to be honest i'm not sure um yeah. but uh we did it and that was it and yeah. i think uh uh we're gonna do an album hollow point in him a new one but uh yeah. in spanish Okay. I think, I think we might do it in Spanish. Any um, of the new albums that you have on the way? You personally? Um, well, my, my next Spanish album, which is already done, the next two in yeah. Spanish are done. One's going to be called Trece Balas, and the yeah. other one's going to be called El Mundo Es Mío. Okay. Hell yeah, man. We can't wait. Do you have a time frame for those albums for the fans to be on the lookout? Or They've been done already for a minute, but I've just been waiting, homie, to see how all this stuff develops with our new label that we got uh, in Mexico. And, uh, yeah, so we're waiting to release some stuff on Casa de Locos, and we got worldwide distribution with uh, One RPM, which is the best distributor for that genre of music, um, so we're 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 in. Man. We got everything yeah. needed to make things happen. Yeah, so we're gonna yeah, give it a go and you know see what happens. Yeah, and I know you have you you showed me some pictures of your merchandise. Where can the fans go get some of that stuff if they want to copy, bro? If they want to get some stuff, they can go to www.sawedoffrecords.com. Or uh, com or www.mrnightout.com. Uh, either one of those, okay. it all links together and goes right to the website. Okay, because I'm looking at it right now, so I'm going to put that on the description because I don't definitely want to get some gear, you know what I'm saying? Hey, man, right. I, still got that I still got that sawed off uh, shirt me fucking years ago, bro. Damn. <laughs> yeah, usually. Uh, our stuff, man, is it lasts a long time. We got good quality merchandise. We don't do cheap shit, you know. Yeah, yeah, man. That shirt's still going, bro. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna have to. Uh, I saw one of the home, uh, the homeboy sick, bro. He's one of the from the G Funk Junkies podcast. He was wearing a sweater with your uh, with your uh, uh, thought off on it. That was a pretty dope. Oh sweater. yeah, yeah. Yeah. So um, definitely, the fans want to go get that. And uh, I got one more question. I forgot about it, man. I got somebody asked me, how come you never worked with Little Rob? How come I never worked with Little Rob? Well, I'm pretty sure we was about to, I mean, we was about to, but what ended up happening at the time was that straight up shadow fucked Little Rob's girl, you know? But that was because that was because Little Rob fucked up, homie. Look, people know what's up. I, I'm throwing it straight out there. It is what it is. You know, yep. uh, Rob got at Shadow and told Shadow some stuff that, hey, man, you know, you're, you're, you know, my girl, this and that. You know what's going on? And uh, 
what do you call it? What ended up happening was uh, Shadow told him, hey, your girl's coming out here being a little whorebag. She's trying to basically, you know, get at me so I can, you know, mess with her. And he told him as a homie. And instead of being like, gracias, homie, I'm going to check the bitch. He got mad at Shadow, dog. And when he, when he got mad at Shadow, it was like, why are you getting mad at the homie when he's telling you what's going on? You should be thankful instead, you know? And yeah. that's what ended up happening, bro. And so they had the little fallout behind that. And obviously, Shadow's my homeboy, so, you know, Rob wasn't going to work with me because me and Shadow are the homies from the hood. So yeah. yep. he kind of stayed away from everybody after that. It's like he didn't trust the world, homie. Rob was like, man, I, I don't trust no one kind of shit. So <clears throat> that's kind of what happened, dog, basically. You know what I mean? And it is what it is, homie. So who knows if they're ever going to work together themselves. But I'm sure Shadow, Shadow's over it. Shadow's like, hey, we can work. But, you know, I think uh, Rob's holding grudges, you know? Yeah. I've heard of one more than one occasion. Shadow's like, man, I'm ready to work. Well, hey, man, can't beg nobody to be on nobody's shit. You know what I'm saying? Right. If you want to work with him, work with it. If not, uh, go ahead and uh, do whatever you got to do. Yeah, but Rob's yeah, changed. Okay. Like, his new style... His new stuff's changed a lot. You know, I I don't really like his new music. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah man. Like, I'm, I'm, I haven't heard too much I'm new a, stuff. But the la the latest I heard, uh, some song he did with some girl, I, I didn't like yeah. it at all. Oh, yeah. No comment, bro. I'm not, I'm not just not saying nothing. <laughs> yeah. I, I'd like to see him do what he's known for. You know, like, like don't change what you're good uh, for. Like, basically, you're trying to fix what's not broken. Why? Yeah. You know? Uh, I yep. think he's good at what he does, man. Keep it going, yep. you know? And the jealous people that talk shit and say, oh, that it's it's old or whatever, fuck them, you know? You, he has a big fan base, so he should cater to that fan base. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, but man. Yeah, I guess it is yeah, what it is. Wherever that fan base, wherever that base is at, you know, go serve them. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Without, without, uh, without anything, without further ado, man. Um, is there anybody else you want to give shout out to, Doug? Oh, uh, not that I can think of. I mean, <laughs> just shout I mean, out to all you the know, real ones. Doug. Yeah, I mean, to everybody that's down with me and all the real people that have supported me throughout the years uh to you guys for having me on here um yeah, and bro. you know to everybody that that shows love that is not a fucking hater you know and, and that's yeah. it you know and to casa locals the new label that uh yeah. you know is, 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 is doing the damn thing and uh to everybody out in mexico that shows nothing but love jose castro Specifically, uh, that's my boy right there, and uh, everybody else that uh, surrounds that camp that's got something to do with uh, Casa de Locos. 
you know everybody yeah, much yeah, love man. for sure man and that right there everybody thank you very much for being on the show for joining us thank you and we'll catch you next time